online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. A very good evening. Welcome along to the latest edition. See, I've stopped counting them uh, of the Wickham Wanderers Show. Is it fourteen? I think it's fourteen. I think it is. Can I can I just say I like the fact that the newsreader sounded really surprised that Arsenal were beating Dundalk. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think, well, they're, they're, they're a League of Ireland side. Really, Arsenal should be beating them. <laughs> Thanks, <Lennon. laughs> Apologies if you're listening on the podcast, because that'll make no sense at all. <laughs> oh, no, I've thrown Colin now as well. Yeah, no, uh, so it's fine. Um... <laughs> I, I, you know, I think it's fair enough for us to be commenting on football things as they happen during the show. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I know it's the Wicked Wanderer show, yep. but we can talk about other football things just in a minor way. <laughs> off, off topic, as they say on, on email things. <laughs> They do say that, don't they? They do, yes. So, <laughs> Anyway, as you were saying, a very good evening. And yes, you have stopped counting the number of shows, which is good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> coming up this evening, we'll review, we'll review... We'll find out how Arsenal and Dundalk are getting on throughout the evening. Uh, we'll review uh, the, uh, the well, Bob's trips to Preston and Barnsley. But yes. also Wickham were there as well. It, it, it's been quite a, a northern um, odyssey the last few days. Uh, and, and very northern it is too, particularly in Barnsley. Lots of, you know, lots of little terraced houses um, on the way into the ground, uh, as you would expect. Um, and a lovely old stadium as well, or, or certainly the stadium, uh, the, the uh, stand that we were in last night. Very, very nice and old-fashioned. Oh, brilliant. With wooden wooden seats where you think, goodness me, you know, Barnsley fans have been sitting in those for, for 100 years. Obviously not last night, because Barnsley is still in Tier 3. <laughs> Keep it light. Uh, also still to come, we'll catch up with uh, Club Director Travis Stroud about the, uh, the Trusts event, which is happening on Monday online. We will be hearing from uh, Dave Ward, who, uh, of course, is the manager of Wicked Wanderers Ladies. And another Dave makes an appearance, uh, Dave Burgess, the 80s defender. He's not in his 80s, he played in the 80s, and uh, he'll be speaking to us uh, very, very soon as well. Lots to come, and we're also asking you tonight to tell us about your very first Wickham game. Um, because, Collins, yours was... Uh, Barnet in the Capital... Uh, hang on. Capital League <laughs> President's <laughs> Cup Final. Uh, May 1987, and Dave Burgess played in it, although he, he seems to have very little memory of the occasion. Uh, and uh, did he get a winner's medal from it? That's a good question. Not sure. Oh, no! You should have asked him that. But, you know, I, I, I like the fact, though, it's one of those competitions where you're desperately trying to then remember actually what the competition was called. I think the Capital League, it was like kind of the Reserve League, I yeah, think. I think it, it? Yes, yeah, I think it was. Uh, but anyway, the fact that you've got to start somewhere. The first, your first game was a cup final was quite impressive. I think Wickham won two one from memory. Not certain. Uh, first Wickham game was uh, Northwich Victoria in the uh, GM Vauxhall Conference, uh, as it was then uh, at Adams Park, uh, where, when we'd only just recently moved in. I remember uh, Lord Chris of Friday afternoons. Uh, he's his first game against Corinthian Casuals, which is so. I mean, that's fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, do let us know. Uh, you can either email studio at wickhamsound.org.uk, you can tweet us uh, at Wickham Sound, you can get in touch with us by all sorts of other methods, I'm sure, as well. Uh, so we will start, uh, anyway, by uh, looking back at the two Wickham games um, that have been played since we were last on air, starting off uh, with the game against Preston North End, uh, where uh, we drew to all. Um, and in some ways, yes, you know, it was a decent point away from home, but at the same time, Preston did not really have to work hard at all for either of their goals, which made it quite a frustrating afternoon, to be honest. Must have also been frustrating because it looked until you know quite late on that that could have been a win. Yeah, definitely. It, it very much. It was reminiscent of the Birmingham game. You were thinking, oh, fantastic! You know, suddenly we were in control at two-one, uh, and yes, uh, and then unfortunately the ball came off Jason McCarthy uh, and went into the net uh, to give Preston uh, a rather undeserved, I felt, uh, two-all draw. 
Nice for Gareth to be playing against one of his former clubs. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, and I mean, again, a, a little bit sad because also Preston, obviously, they were in Tier Three as well, so there were no fans whatsoever. And you did think, well, if there had been fans mm. here, I'm sure there would have been, a, you know, a, a lovely reception for Gareth because obviously it was the the place where he started his football league career, uh, a club that he returned to three times uh, uh, during that career. So definitely, that you know, they would have been wanting to pay tribute to him in the same way that actually I think Blackburn Rovers probably would have done as well. So did you come away feeling, oh, that's a shame, we could have got more definitely. from that, or did you come away? thinking no point uh, uh, no you, you came away feeling oh you know the, that was a shame we, we should have got more we should have got all three points really from that one um, but at the same time as Gareth says uh, you have to be quite happy that we're now coming away from pl- places mm. like Preston North End particularly considering that you know a couple of seasons ago in the FA Cup they beat us 5-1 at Adams Park uh, feeling slightly hard done by, by the fact that we only got a point so Bob spoke to Gareth after the game to get his uh, post-match thoughts was that a, a good point or was that a disappointing that, that actually neither of Preston's goals they had to really work for? No, it's a real positive that we're gutted at getting a point. You know, we did we did want three. I thought we did enough to get three. But obviously, if you concede two goals, sloppy goals, then you you're asking to, to climb a mountain. I thought we had the better chances in the game. I thought we had some clear cut ones that we didn't stick in. Um, but pleasing to get back in the game after the first half, poor goals to give away and one 0 down at half time. Yeah, uh, and and then the you know fantastic the way that we came back into the game. Yeah, I mean first half uh, half time I, I had some choice words, um, but the lads believed and uh, like I say we uh, we could have saw it out better. We didn't, um, but that's the championship for you, you know. We probably need to start turning some of these points into wins to uh, to have a chance of uh, of being competitive come after Christmas, staying in this league. But I've got no worries that we will stay in this league and uh, we keep playing like that. I'm sure we'll be fine. Yeah. And as I said to you the other day, you know, there's only been one Blackburn so far and also some strange results all the time in the Championship. Yeah, I mean, it's really topsy-turvy this, you know, and, and I think you've got to make sure that uh, you, you're just consistent in every game because consistency and that second-half performance today is good enough to beat any team in this league and uh, we're looking forward to each and every game. Now, it's Championship football, fans are back, that's fantastic. Hopefully we can uh, pick some points up. Uh, what about Anthony Stewart? How's he doing? Yeah, he's hurt his knee. We'll have to assess that tomorrow. But um, again, bare bones back four. But it's a hell of a bare bones, isn't it? It's a, it's a great, it's a great squad we've got. Looking forward to some of the injuries returning. But um, at the moment, we'll have to make do with what we got. So, what about this uh, this injury list? It seems to be it seems to be ever growing, or is it not too bad? Um, it is ever growing, but uh, luckily that we do have certain players who are on their way back. Uh, Curtis Thompson, I think, in particular, we have missed. Uh, and Gareth uh, are saying that he's quite close to returning. Uh, Anthony Stewart, I think. Is definitely up for a little while, but not quite as bad as was maybe first feared. Anthony Stewart is one of those players that you know he doesn't go down injured, um, and if he does go down, then you know that actually yeah there is something quite significantly wrong. Um, in some ways, the good thing was that actually we had Jason McCarthy playing just in front of the back four um, on Saturday. So you know once then uh, Anthony went off, obviously Jason then just slotted back in uh, to the defence. In fact, the, the, it was uh, more actually Jack Grimmer then played in in the centre. Uh, and Jason McCarthy then played uh, on the on the wing. Because I guess there are other concerns that obviously Dominic Gape, he, his injury was only comparatively recent. Uh, Uchi, we're, we're still not sure on how far away he is. Yeah, I mean, so Dominic Gape was back last night. Huh? Uh, he played uh, in the game uh, against uh, Barnsley, uh, indeed. Yeah, and, and did do you know did, did okay. Um, I, I mean, to be honest, uh, last night's performance it it was a little bit lacklustre. You definitely got the impression that all of those games have finally begun to catch up with us I think you can probably say it actually about a lot of teams uh, but yeah we did look a little bit tired last night um, I think Bayo in particularly we do obviously keep having to rely on him um, in that he 
is still our, our most sort of potent source of goals and I don't mean that from him scoring them at all but just actually his little flick-ons uh, you know he, he's got such fantastic touch and when he's then laying the ball off to a Scott Kashke a Daryl Horgan things happen uh, but yeah he does begin to look like you know he, he could do with a little break at the minute because I did see a bit of the game last night and the commentator was saying he hadn't scored in 15 appearances. Yeah, but I, actually, I think it's that, that's by the by. I don't think that that's, you know, that's n- really important for Wickham Wanderers. What's mm. important is the fact that he's able to set up so many opportunities. Um, and when we have, you know, when everyone is, is absolutely fresh, when you've got Bayo sort of in the centre and then you've got Daryl Horgan and you've got Scott Kashka and you've got Fred Onyadimna and you've got maybe Anis Mamesi. It's exciting, isn't it? buzzing rounds by basically they're so fast that teams can't necessarily handle uh, the you know just the speed just the the pace of actually of what we can do with those four players um but as i say uh, you begin to think yeah the the amount of fixtures is possibly catching up with us and you know it's continues to be relentless until that game against QPR which is uh, a week on Saturday uh, we have Coventry now this coming Saturday and then we have Bournemouth on Tuesday night so again hardly any time really you know 48 hours between each game uh, from Barnsley to Coventry from Coventry then to the, the AFC Bournemouth game and AFC Bournemouth that's not going to be easy uh, obviously they, they went and beat Barnsley 4-0 uh, last Friday you know they're not a bad side at all so you imagine some changes for the commentary game on Saturday? You would, you would think so. Uh, you know, where, whether or not we've got enough players to be able to significantly sort of like juggle the pack, I'm not sure, but we will find out. So Bob, we spoke to Gareth uh, once again after the game at Oakwell. Uh, Gareth, when we come somewhere like Barnsley, you do think, well, this time last year they were in desperate trouble and, and look at them now similarly with Luton as well. I think you've got to take um, positives from where Barnsley were at this stage last season. They were probably similar to us and they survived and they've proved tonight that they've played that little bit more quality than us, um, looked a little bit fresher as well and, uh, and you know, they had an extra day's rest. They played Friday night, so maybe that's come into it. Um, let's, uh, let's see where we go now on, uh, on the weekend. But, um, yeah, really looking forward to picking the boys up looking at that game seeing what went wrong putting the rights definite positives in there but just probably game too far didn't look ourselves tonight after Preston Saturday and just so fine margins tonight you know there were just a few little things that didn't go our way yeah do you know Barnsley probably deserved the win and I don't often say that you know um, but if you're not going to be great then try and stay solid and keep a point there's a, there's a couple of areas for that goal and, and you know like I say we'll pick the bones out uh, there'll be no pointing fingers at anyone it's always me I'll take the blame uh, I'm the manager and uh, I'll be the one putting it right Saturday yeah, oh, a couple of times, you know, Scott Cashgate, the ball didn't just quite fall. The, the, all of those sort of things you can look at and think, well, yeah, you know, we were, we were close to a point. Yeah, but sometimes you've got to say the, the better you play and the harder you work, the luckier you get. It's not just all about falling the right way. So, you know, um, we're not at the races tonight. We will put it right on Saturday. Looking forward to Coventry. We won't beat them for a while. So, can't wait for that one. Yeah, I mean, definitely we owe them a few. Thinking back to the Checker Trade Trophy and a few other games like that. You know, Mike Robbins is a great guy. Uh, we'll have a, definitely have a beer together after the game. Um, probably social distance the, this uh, current climate. But um, he's, uh, he's going to become confident because they have done us over the past few years. Um, I might have a little few surprises up my sleeve and uh, looking forward to seeing what we can do now Thursday, Friday and definitely Saturday. Uh, and what about some of the players who are injured at the moment? What's the, the update on Anthony Stewart first of all? Um, 
Ikpiyuzu, uh, Tafazoli and and Curtis Thompson all very close. Anthony Stewart um, obviously uh, took a knee injury on Saturday, uh, and we're still waiting for a, a, a full assessment and uh, and some pictures to come back just to see the extent. But um, I've I've heard it's not as bad as we first thought, and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing Anthony very soon. Fingers crossed. Uh, Anthony Stewart obviously a big miss. Oh, at, at the back, yes, very much so. Uh, you know the the back um, has has been completely solid, really. You know, and definitely uh, Anthony Stewart a, a big loss there. Uh, one good thing about having Jason McCarthy was that actually we did cause a lot of chaos uh, last night with in swinging corners because obviously we now have JJ in swinging them from one direction, and you can have Jason McCarthy in swinging them from the other. And actually, that did look like our most likely route to goal yesterday. Um, and yeah, and Barnsley just didn't really know what to do with them and just managed to scramble them away every time. Uh, but still, the, the the set pieces are definitely king. As far as Wigan Wanderers are concerned, and that's fine. That's no bad thing at all. Absolutely, yes, that works. Uh, look out for more corners in upcoming games. Uh, still to come on the Wigan Wanderer show, we'll be catching up with uh, club director Travis Stroud talking about uh, the Trust's latest event, which is happening on Monday. We'll hear from Dave Burgess very soon as well, a defender from the 80s. Uh, but first, we'll briefly switch our attention to the ladies' team who return to league action, or their season. All right. League season resumes uh, on uh, Sunday, uh, away to Abingdon. Uh, so they've had a bit of a break due to lockdown two uh, they had a friendly uh, against Penn and Tyler's Green which they, they did very well against nine nine one was it it was very good yes very impressive well done to them uh, but you might recall that uh, they did play two games of their league season after a fantastic FA Cup run and uh, here's Dave Ward their manager to uh, assess uh, those games and to, to look ahead to uh, Sunday's fixture the first fixture was um, away to Woodley and you're not quite sure what sort of uh, team they've got they're usually quite a tough opponent and uh we managed to dispatch them 4-0, which was uh, very pleasing for the first outing. And then the second game, which was just before lockdown, we played Newbury at home. And again, they're another team that can be very, very difficult and awkward opponents. But um, uh, we saw them off 9-1. So, <laughs> incredibly pleased. But uh, then, obviously, going into lockdown, it's proved to be a bit of a challenge. We managed to blow some cobwebs away last week against local neighbours, uh, Penn and Tyler's ladies. They're a few divisions below us, so it wasn't unexpected to get the win. But the margin of victory was pretty good again. It was a a 9-0 win. I think the only downside for having played that game was that we picked up another injury to add to my growing injury list, which isn't good. So looking forward to this weekend, it's really going to test the strength and depth of our squad. And how have the players coped with a disruption in the season? They've they've done pretty well, I think. Um, They're all quite self-motivated and they look to each other to set challenges they don't necessarily come to myself or Jack Riles my first in coach to ask us what we would suggest but what they do is they come to us with ideas and say well how do you think this will help us with our fitness you know is, is that the sort of thing that we should be doing and we normally agree a way forward and um, the players just launch into it so in terms of fitness, I don't think there are any real issues in terms of being able to play 90 minutes. It's just getting hold of the football again and um, getting the feel of it and getting to understand each other. But with so many changes this coming weekend, we've got five on the injury list at the moment out of an available 16 outfield players. So it's uh, made life very challenging. So again, we'll find ourselves, depending on a couple of the under-18, some of the stronger players from that team, stepping up and helping us as they did in the friendly at Penn. It must have been especially pleasing to have got those two wins to start your league campaign as well because it must have felt like you were sort of playing catch-up in a way because many other the teams in the division had already started because you'd had the FA Cup run. It's, it's 
always pleasing to um, start with two victories and not be conceding lots of goals. We've looked a, a very solid, tight unit this season so far. I think we've only conceded three goals in um, all, all games this season. We've played something like about nine games. So, you know, we, we have done particularly well defensively and we've got some good quality in, in, in key areas which helps us uh, to kill games off. You know, it, so I, I've been very, very encouraged by the group this season so far. And, you know, just despite the impact of um, players not being available this weekend due to injury, it doesn't actually daunt me too much. I've got enough confidence in the players that we're bringing in to go out and to do a job. It's not going to be an easy job because Abingdon United, who we played last season on four occasions, honours were pretty even throughout uh, all four of those games, all very close fought affairs. And I don't see that this weekend will be very much different. Again, they're one of the four favourites for winning the title this season, along with ourselves, Moneyfields and um, AFC Bournemouth. So, yeah, it's going to be a very competitive game. It sounds like you're facing a tough test, obviously, with the opposition, also with the injuries, as you mentioned, but will it feel like just a natural resumption of the season, or will it feel like a sort of restart, if you like? Uh, it, it, does, it feels a little bit odd, because, you know, clearly it had been four weeks since we'd seen the players until last Wednesday, and... You know, it, it, it's great to get everyone back out on the pitch together and to do something that they all enjoy. But they know that the serious stuff happens again this coming Sunday, uh, and they're they're up for working hard for that. And uh, you know, we're looking forward to get back on the training pitch. We've got a few ideas to work on ahead of Sunday's game. And yeah, it, it does feel a bit disjointed, if you like. And I'm sure that there will be other teams um, that will suffer as um, as a result of that because not everyone is able to, to train. Not everyone is, is able to keep us coordinated as we've perhaps been fortunate enough to have been. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be tough for everyone, especially if there's, there are further lockdowns. But um, like most of the population, <laughs> I'm hoping that the vaccine rollout is actually going to help afford an awful lot of protection and um, manage this virus so that we can actually get back to something like normality and enjoy our football more fully. Definitely, and also Sunday sounds like a great opportunity for some of the younger players to really sort of uh, stake their claim, if you like, in, in the first team for you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we, we've got some good youngsters um, in the under-18, there's no doubt about that. Two of them appeared for us for the first time last Wednesday, in young Kiana Fryer and uh, Chloe Mackay and um, both of them handled themselves very well during that game. In fact, Kiana actually set one of the nine goals up in the second half. So, yeah, we, we've got very encouraging signs of uh, good quality in, that, in the under-18 side. And, in fact, their goalkeeper, Amy Whale, has been playing for us um, right since the start of the season when Amy Packin picked up an injury and has been out all that time. So, Amy played her first game back for us for the second half on Wednesday night. That's the first time she's played since uh, pre-season friendly against Sutton right back in August. So we've got an under-18 goalkeeper who's been performing really, really well in young Amy Whale. I guess it'd be really interesting for yourself and Jack to see how the players respond after the break as well. Obviously you've had the, the, the sort of pre-season game, if you like, against, against Penn as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Abingdon had a, a, a very close walk battle last week um, away to Winchester, who ironically we play uh, the following weekend on the 20th. And that was a 1-0 victory for Abingdon, which keeps them 
uh, with their 100% record. And someone's 100% record is going to go on Sunday and um, we're going to be working incredibly hard to make sure it's not ours. Sounds like there should be goals anyway. Um, there could well be. Um, hopefully not our end. Um, I'm hoping the defensive work that we've done uh, will stand us in good stead and give us the platform um, with which to hit uh, Abingdon and to see the game out. But, um, yeah, we, we, we've got a game plan, which we're going to be rehearsing again tomorrow night. Um, and if that goes to plan on Sunday, then um, happy days, really. No, absolutely. Hopefully it'll be a, a third win in a row, although it might not feel like a row. Uh, <laughs> great to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed for your time. OK, Colin, thank you. Dave Ward speaking to us here at Wickham Sound, and uh, they're off training this evening. Uh, yes, a big hello to the Wickham Wanderers ladies uh, who are on their way to uh, uh, Flackwell Heath. It's, it's the, the college there, isn't it? Uh, well, that's where they train. That's I where believe. they play, yeah. Yes. Or do they train at there? I think they train there as well, oh, okay. I think. I'm, I may have got that wrong. <laughs> um, it must be weird. Hopefully they know. <laughs> it must be weird their season, the fact that, yeah, it, it got delayed really because of the FA Cup, first of all. Uh, and then, you know, mm. they just got going again with the league season and then everything came to a, a sort of a grinding halt again. So we will keep our fingers crossed that actually that, you know, that, that's it now. And that, that, yes, the, the league season just continues as it should do. Yes, and they get at least the top three. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Good luck to them against Abingdon. We'll uh, be following their progress. The throughout the season of course um, some, some admin news you want to talk about the corner flag oh indeed yes I wanted to mention the corner flag uh, because the exciting things always happen at Wickham Wanderers <laughs> games uh, and yesterday we had an injury to the corner flag uh, obviously we'd already had an injury to the goal net you might yes. remember uh, in an earlier game uh, where Ryan Allsop came off or I think the net really came off far worse than, than, than Ryan Allsop yes did. he seemed fine but, didn't he in that, yes, in that challenge you know, last night uh, yes one of the corner flags uh, uh, decided to fall over and then the linesman could not get it back in the, the, the uh proper hole um, and so uh, groundsman in the end then had to come on and and the the game stopped and you thought why what you know where, where's the injured player and you were looking around and then realized that actually it was the corner flag uh, what that, drama that had had an injury so, so that, was, that was quite exciting fantastic uh, we're asking you uh, the first uh, Wickham Wanderers game you saw and uh, we've, we've had a response already. we do indeed uh, good evening to Alan Cecil um, uh, Alan says uh, it was the 1991 FA Trophy final at Wembley when of course Wickham won 2-1 over Kidderminster Harriers uh, again a very good first game to go to Absolutely. I'm impressed with both you and Alan uh, been to first, finals first yeah. games that you went to were finals uh, I think that's you know I, I, I wish I could say the same but no you can tweet us at Wickham Sound, you can email studio at wickhamsound.org.uk, you can get in touch with us via Facebook, um, write us a letter. Yeah, we probably uh, won't get it until next week. Uh, any, anyway, yeah. pigeons, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're open for all. Pigeons, owls. Yeah, yeah, anything that works. If you're a wizard. This is Wickham Sound. Second part of the Wickham Wanderers show, I must say a very thank you to uh, Alan Hutchinson and to JDT from the Ex-Players Association for uh, uh, assistance in uh, speaking to... Uh, foreign players uh, and uh, the latest in our series of uh, aforementioned foreign players uh, is Dave Burgess who uh, we believe played in the first game that I went to see which was the uh, the Capital League President's Cup final have you forgotten one <laughs> of 1987 uh, a fantastic occasion but uh, let's find out how Dave Burgess who you might recall was a, a defender of the 80s that makes him sound like someone a campaigner, doesn't he? The defender of the eighties. <laughs> he, he was at Greenham Con. He was he was at all of those. <laughs> There's quite a lengthy story about how he became a Wicked Wanderers player. I had a, a link, really, with John Maskell. He'd seen me play a few times. I think he was running the reserve side at Wickham at the time and asked me to go training. And I came over to uh, Lokes Park training a couple of times and wasn't really sure whether I was up to that sort of standard and um, couldn't make my mind up whether to come over or not. And at that time, the cricket 
friend of mine called Nigel Cassidy, who was at Oxford, became the manager of Banbury. And he enticed me to go there rather than to Wickham. Um, so I, I went to Banbury to start with. That only lasted about a year because I think he got the sack or moved on or whatever. And then John Maskell and Ian Rundle and John Delaney was the manager of Oxford City. So I then went to Oxford City for three years, three seasons, all of which time there was talk of me going to Wickham, but I didn't actually go. I, I went on a couple of Wickham tours to other countries, um, to Portugal, to Tunisia, really enjoyed them. And eventually, I think I just decided it was time to go, and I went went to Wickham when Paul Bentz became manager. So it took me a long time to get there, but um, that was it, really. About five years, I think it was, from my, for the first chance I had. If I'm honest, that was... And I bet when you joined, you couldn't have imagined that you'd be playing over 100 times for the club. No, I didn't sell brilliantly to start with, to be honest. It was, it was, it was quite a difficult time because the whole team, when Paul Bentz became manager, was nearly the whole team, apart from probably, from memory, Gary Lester and Bobby Dale. Virtually everybody else was new. Um, and we took a while to settle, actually. So, uh, yeah, I didn't, 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 you never really know how long you're going to stay. I mean, I mean always... I sort of thought by that stage I could play at that standard. When I first went to my couple of training sessions with John Maskell, I thought, well, this is, this is above me, really, to be honest. But by then I'd sort of played about 150 games for Oxford City in, in the Isthmian League and thought, well, yeah, I can play at this level. And uh, enjoyed it and uh, decided to make the move to Wickham, which I probably should have done about five years previously. But there we go. You can't have your time again, can you? <laughs> no, certainly. It must have been, would you describe it as perhaps a, a sort of turbulent time during the club while you were there? You saw it to a relegation, but also promotion as well. Yeah, it was a bit up and down, wasn't it? It was um, the first season that we didn't do very well at the start of the season. I, I remember, I can remember some, there's quite a statistic, I can't remember exact statistics, but we didn't do very well up to Christmas. And we were probably, I don't know, not, not halfway at the league, just above half at the league. And there was... Somebody wrote in the Bucks Free Press that they should change the whole side apart from about three of us, I think it was. I was lucky I was one of the three mentioned that, that, that shouldn't be changed. <laughs> but we didn't change the whole side, we just all stuck together. And I think after after Christmas we lost about one game or had a couple of draws and finished second, I think it was, and uh, got promotion to the conference. So we, we turned things around um, quite well in that season from a, a dodgy start to a strong finish. No, definitely. It must be nice to have got promoted. I think you were Isthmian League champions as well, weren't you, So Yeah, that was... I think that... If, I, if, if my memory serves me rightly, we went up when we were champions. We had a season in the conference when we got relegated on the last game of the season, by which time other sides were playing after we'd finished. And um, I remember I was playing cricket and, I, and I, I went into a core box somewhere in Banbury to ring up another player, I can't remember who it was, another player to find out how this other side got on, which I can't remember which side it was, but if they drew, I think we were relegated and they did draw and we were relegated on goal difference on the on what was the last day of the season or, or about the second Saturday of my cricket season. So that was not a very good uh, good first year in the conference. But then we went back into the Isthmian League and that was really when I think Wickham as a club decided that they would try and progress back to the conference and, and move the club forward because a lot of new pay- players appeared in that that um, closed season. That was the season when I had two Achilles tendon operations, so I was a bit in and out of the 
team and a bit in and out of being available during that season. I see he's got nine goals though, which is quite a game for a defender. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it says here. <laughs> I can remember. Some, I think I, I reckon I only scored one in the conference, but um, I did score. So I think yeah, I must have scored a few. I reckon if I scored nine, I'd probably headed about fifty over the bar. For <laughs> corners, because I just I don't know. My whole career, I could not head the ball down properly at attacking corners. I think my excuse was because I spent the rest of the time, the other eighty-five minutes as a defender heading it up because you don't let it down as a defender because if you head up in the air it gives yourself some time and some space to to reorganise so defending wise you should head it up but attacking wise you've got to head it down and I could not head it down I headed everything over the bar perhaps you could blame the sloping pitch perhaps you were overcompensating the first time I saw Legs Park which is when I came to one of these um, training sessions with John Maskell I'd say probably five years before I came to Wickham I'd never been there in my life I drove into the car park and I could not believe my eyes Honestly, I couldn't believe the slope on it. Yeah, when you've been playing there a couple of years, it was perfectly okay. But it was a it was a frightening slope to to, to see visually when you come through the the old gates, park in the little car park at the top where you look down and crikey, it was, a, it was I couldn't believe that they played football on it. But anyway, are there any particular games which stand out as being particularly memorable during your time at the club? Well, there is one. There is one little sequence of games that stands out and it stands out not because it was a really important game particularly or not because it was a brilliant game but it was just a bit of a freaky result of fixtures um, when I was at Oxford City we, we I think Oxford City played in the trophy but we never got anywhere near being any successful any successful runs in the trophy but Wickham had a always had a name as, as always had um, history of being successful in these competitions going back to the Amateur Cup even and things like that but I think it was the first year I was at Wickham we won a couple of games in the trophy and we, we ended up getting to the third round and we ended up playing Leak Town right now I don't know what league they were in they were in one of the Midlands leagues there but what I remember about it was it's the only game I've ever played in my life that was played on top of snow. There must have been an inch and a half, two inches of snow at Lokes Park. The lines were all marked out in blue and we played with a brown ball. And it was a strange game. And it ended up 2-2. So in those days there was no, there was no um, penalty shootouts or anything like that. So that was a replay the following, I think just the following Wednesday, at Leak Town. And we got to Leak Town and it was absolutely unreal 90% of the pitch was so muddy it went over your, over the top of your boots and that game ended 5-5 wow then there was another replay the next week which was now on a neutral ground at Worcester City's ground that ended 1-1 I think and that meant the following week there was another replay which we won 1-0 that little sequence of games in that trophy sticks in my mind, really. is not, not the biggest game I ever played in, not the best game I ever played in, but a game that I've never... or a little sequence I've never forgotten. But probably the biggest games I enjoyed were when we got to the third round proper of the FA Cup. We didn't really get drawn against one of the big sides, but it was still a, a good run in the Cup, because I'd never really had a Cup run before when I was at the other sides I played that. 
Because uh, lots of times in Wickham's uh, history, you can you can point to to really good sort of cup successes, can't you? And that sort of period as well was was one I was, I was saying to you uh, off. I think the first game that I went to, or the first game that I saw, uh, was in '87. It was the, the Capital League Presidents Cup final, and that was against Barnet. And I remember my dad saying, pointing out uh, Glenn Hoddle's brother. And I know you were saying that you played against Glenn Hoddle himself. Yeah, as well. we, we we were lucky enough because I think probably because Brian Lee, I think, was like the I'm not sure of his technical term director or whatever it was at Bishop Abbey. We managed to always come up against football league sides that were spending a bit of time at Bishop Abbey in either pre-season or maybe when the weather was bad in January and get some sort of quality friendlies. Um, we, we played against Tottenham in a, in a friendly when they had an unbelievable side out. And Glenn Hoddle, Ozzy Ardiles, Ricky Villier, yeah, they were really a first-class first class team. And that was a year, I think, that Clive Allen scored 45 goals or something in the old first division. So, yeah, it was quite an experience. But, yeah, I spent my whole afternoon, I think, backpedalling for Glenn Hoddle's little chips over the top because he didn't chip anything on, onto your head. He had half. He chipped everything just over your shoulder or just over the back where you couldn't reach it. He was unbelievable, really. His, his skill level was fantastic. Yeah, it must have been great to be part of that game. You mentioned that uh, Paul Bentz was the manager when you started. You played under a few managers as well, and I guess they were all very different. I didn't know Paul Bentz at all, uh, I think. I think my connection was was John Maskell and Brian Lee was how I ended up getting there. But Paul Bentz was was yeah, a very nice guy, very nice guy, very easygoing sort of chap. Um, I think he played loads of games for Brentford, two or three hundred games for Brentford as a professional. So he he obviously knew what he was what he was doing, and uh, I enjoyed playing under him. And uh, I'm not quite sure why he left, um, but he left, and Alan Gain, who was his assistant, became manager, and they were quite similar in a way um, Alan Gain was probably a little bit more outgoing than Paul Bentz but um, they were the two managers who were there for most of the time and then I did have a little spell when um, my last period there was when Peter Sudderby was manager Peter Sudderby was actually or actually taught me maths for about six months when I went to school at Cheney in Oxford because he was on the teacher training placement at that time um, and he taught me he taught me maths for a while, so I, I sort of reminded of that when I first met him. But I don't think he could remember it. To be <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he he um, taught me, and he taught. Um, there was another guy in my class who did end up being a professional footballer of some note, but um, that was Clive Walker who played at Chelsea. He ended up teaching both of us maths for say for six months. I think he was. Oh, we we had a sort of opposite thing at school. Um, we had a, a teacher who used to be a Wickham Wanderers player. Did you? Who was that? Then? Um, right. Dave Alexander? Dave, now, well, now we I, called him Mr. Alexander, obviously. But. Yeah, I played with him. Oh, really? Not, not at Wickham, but I played with him. He came to Oxford City. John Maskell, I'm sure, got him to come to Oxford City. He was oh, a okay. very good midfielder. Oh, brilliant. That, that's the same guy, I think, on the ball. Very good on the ball. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. One of the best things I did was introduce Dave Jones, a physio, to Wickham. Because Dave Jones and me used to play for Kidlington together. And I got him to go to uh, one conference game on a Thursday night or something right at the end of one season when the physio guy who was normally couldn't do it and then the next season that physio guy Shady we used to call that was his name Dave I think it was he couldn't do it so Dave Jones came from nowhere to, to be sort of offered a physio job I, I, I was at the end of my playing thing and Dave stayed 22 years or 21 years or something after that that's fantastic <laughs> oh, well done you that's, that's a claim to fame no I still see him now yeah, he's, he, he, he only lives in Woodstock in fact, I knew the physio before him because the, the reason he ended up being a physio was because he, he used to he, he came from Kidlington. I, 
I played for Kidlington, or I didn't actually come from Kidlington. And the Wickham physio, if you go back a little bit further, was a guy called John Clinkard. He started at Wickham whilst he was playing football for Kidlington. So I played football with him at Kidlington. Dave Jones played football with him at Kidlington. But then John Clinkard got very successful. He went to Everton. Well, he went to Everton, then he, I think he went back to Oxford United after that as a physio. But Dave Jones hurt his back, and because he'd been playing the same team as John Clinkard, he got a bit inspired by this bloke being a physio. So that's why I think he started being a physio. Oh, that's really good. That's how got Dave into it, and uh, I'd say he stayed, what, 20-odd years, he said, didn't he? So how, how did your, uh, your departure at the club come about? My departure came um, after Peter Sudderby, I can't remember, I don't know he was sacked or whether he just finished, I can't remember exactly, but Peter Sudderby finished. I'd had two Achilles tendon operations. I was nearly 31, and it came through an honest assessment of my ability that I just couldn't play at that level anymore. And in fact, what happened was I... I I hadn't pre-planned this, but I, I just said, uh, I'm going to I'm going to leave when the manager changed. I just, in fact, I wrote to Brian Lee, I wrote him a note and said, I'm, I'm leaving because I thought he was really my main contact for getting there in the first place. He was still involved with the club boy. I said I was going to f- finish and I went back to Oxford City, actually, but I wasn't planned on doing that because they got here that I finished. They wanted me to go back there. I went back there. I played about half a dozen games at the end of one year. And then they lost their ground to the landlord, which I think was Brazenose College. So they that went out of existence. And I never actually played. I didn't play 12 games after I left Wickham, I shouldn't think. I, I was injured. And then I, at the end of that season, I packed up. I, I retired, if you like, if you call it retired, by the time I was 31. Because my Achilles tendon operation, despite Wickham were fantastic to me about doing them, because they... They, they paid for them to be to be done. I had them done privately, um, and I had private physio at Slough, which was all organised by Wickham. The club were brilliant, but I had calf muscle strains after that. It was just a non-starter, really, after those two operations. And since you've been doing roofing, yeah, I've 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 always been in construction. I was a, a, a building surveyor by training from when I was sixteen. I worked for a local Oxford contractor for. 27 years and I've been with uh, well I've got a little the roofing company that I, ru- that I run now I've been there 20 years so um, I've only really had two two jobs I didn't have that many football teams certainly didn't have that many jobs either not by current standards anyway the amount people change around from club to club No exactly and it must be so impressive to see see the team now in the, in the second tier of English football Brilliant shame we can't go and watch that's the only disappointment over it I've watched a few games on I think it's I follow, and they, they, they're doing really well now. They seem to have settled into the more recently. They've seemed to be uh, competitive at that level, and I'm really pleased they're doing well. I, I've, you know, since I've stopped playing, I've actually watched quite a lot of Wickham over the last 20 years. Not regularly on a Saturday, but I've watched a few midweek games, and I've always watched quite a few games because my my eldest son, particularly, but my two sons, both are now Wickham and all <laughs> Wickham supporters rather than Oxford supporters, which everybody else is around here. And um, they quite take great pleasure in uh, being a Wickham supporter and having had the wood over Oxford for most of the last 10 years, I should think. Gareth Ainsworth has worked absolute miracles, really, with, with the 
players he's had there. I, I think from what I've seen of it. But yeah, no, the whole the whole the whole club's had a, had a fantastic ride, hasn't it? It's been a great journey, I should think, for everybody involved. The current group seems to have such a, a great team spirit. Is that something that you had during your time as well in the group that you had? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that was primary or, or, or of almost primary consideration for a long time. If if you're going to Wickham, if you're going to play for Wickham, it was as important what your character was like as compared to what your ability was like. It was seen as at least in equal standards, and, and that, in my view is a good philosophy to have in life it's not all about how good you are it's about having the right attitude and about having the right uh, team spirit and um, belief it's really nice isn't it to have players that fans can identify with as well obviously Akin Fenner was a big hero for, for a lot of youngsters and I guess in your day as well that was when, when Mark West was just starting to, to, yeah, to start he, he, he was just starting uh, he was uh, I don't know he was about 18 at the time but he stayed. He stayed there ages. He was. He was. He was just starting. I think he came from. I think he came from West Ham or someone like that. Was it? As a sort of teenager. But yeah, he, I didn't realise that he would end up with having the career he had. But I, I still see it. I still seen him at the Wickham X players things, and he hasn't changed at all. Hardly, I don't think, to be perfectly honest. He, he was very successful in his period there, wasn't he? No, absolutely. That must be really nice about the ex-players association as well, because you, you get to sort of catch up with former teammates, but also chat to, to different generations as well. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, it's it's a fantastic organisation which really looks after people. It, you know, they, they're they're really good to you. The dinner is is unbelievably well organised by John Taylor and Hutch. It's just fantastically organised, and it makes everybody feel part of a of a family. Really, I think that 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 is. Um, the Wickham sort of players family they're, they're fan- fantastic nights all the, all the functions are really good I do the, the golf so I haven't resorted to the bowls yet although the bowls I think Bob Dow is on one of the good bowls players so the bowls players could be younger than me yet <laughs> but um, I, I, I enjoy the golf day I did, I did a few of the quiz nights I'm not, I'm not a great quizzer but I did a bit of John Maskell's quiz night as well a couple of times no, it's, it's really nice. And there seems to be something so special about the club, doesn't it? And every sort of decade has a very, very kind of special kind of I don't know cup run or group of players. And yeah, what? it's just it's just it's just a successful club. It was always been whatever. It's always had success. I think. I mean, crikey, it's, it's gone from FA Cup runs with Middlesbrough, hasn't it, to getting the semi final against Liverpool and Chelsea in the League League Cup semi final. It's always had something that that. that yeah, every so often that, that punctuates it, an era almost. So yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's, a, it's always been a cracking club, and I think it's always been, from from my point of view, it, it, going back to, to when before it went in the league, it was always if you if you're a good enough player in Oxford, that was the place to go and play, and, and that was the as I say that was the where the John Maskells and Ian Rundles, who both played for Oxford City, went. I went down that route. There were a few other people who went down that route as well, and it, it was always sort of seen as a step up because it was a bigger club, and um, it, it's continued to step up over the last 30, 40 years, hasn't it? It just doesn't know when to stop stepping up, does it? <laughs> no, I, th- <laughs> I don't. I don't think I was going to say. I don't think there's a limit to how, how far it can go, no, but, but, but I think there probably is. Absolutely, no. <laughs> there's only one league left. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that would be unbelievable. <laughs> but you must look back at your time there with overall, you know, very, very happy memories. Fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Slight regret I didn't move when I first had the chance five years. I could have 
could have had you know eight or nine years there rather than nearly four. But no, it was a fantastic, fantastic club. Well, it's been brilliant to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. No, nice to speak to you, Colin, as well. Thanks mm. very much. Great to speak to you, uh, Dave. Um, our second Dave of the evening. That was excellent. And I feel a little bit sorry for him, what, what he said at the end. He, he clearly he loved it so much that he regretted only being there for four seasons. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? People do like being at Wickham, don't they? They do indeed, yes. A great family club. Yes. I'm very pleased today we can speak to uh, one of the, uh, the club's directors and director of uh, Wickham Wanderers Trust as well, Trevor Stroud. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you very much for... for can, you, can you remember your first game? Uh, that is a very good question. It was, I was back about the 90s. Um, the honest answer is no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfectly acceptable as an answer. But it was, it was just as... Um, uh, I think I, there was one at Lokes Park and just as we moved to, to Adams Park. So it was when there was just four small stands as opposed to the, uh, the various stands we've got now. Oh, I'm, I, I'm jealous about the Lopes Park bit, Trevor. Uh, I never got to Lopes Park, and uh, I, I, I always sort of like trying. As I, if I ever drive past the hospital, I try and picture about where Lopes Park was, uh, and you know. And, and these days, you just can't really imagine that there was ever a football ground there. No, and funny, we were we were looking through some memorabilia, and we came across the plate that was commemorating the the final game at Lopes Park. Um, so we're, we're going to try and find a way of putting that on display at the club as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because definitely. There's, there's, there's lots of stuff in there about that sort of era of the history, um, you know, which is sitting in a cupboard, and if we can find somewhere to display it, that would be excellent once we can get people back into the ground. Yeah, that, or that's, more people. That, that, you know, that's a really good idea, and, and I, fans love that sort of stuff, so, so anything that you've got that's sitting in a cupboard, please try and find some, some way to display it. <laughs> and there's a great one of when, when Andy Rammel jumped into the snow oh, yes. in the cup game. I think it was against Wolves. Um, and uh, there's a, there's a, a full size picture of, of him just having landed in the snow, which is a, which is a classic. Yeah, no, we definitely want to see all of these uh, in the the Wickham Wanderers Museum. Uh, <laughs> speak, speak to Pete Kuhig and see see if we can get it arranged. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, um, you are on this evening to, uh, to tell us about a very exciting event that is happening on a Monday evening. Yes, I am. I mean, we the, the trust board has obviously been owners of the club for for part of last season felt that we should actually commemorate what that, those players achieved um, because to, to, to move from League 2 to League 1, stay in League 1 and then get into the Championship was a tremendous achievement. So we've commissioned a, a unique personalised memento for each of the players. Um, those have been presented to the team uh, and they've kept it under wraps, which is great. Um, and also we've, we've sent them to the players who aren't with us now, so not, not so the likes of Cedo John Barty, uh, Jamie Maskell and the other lone players as well. So everyone who was in the squad and the management team have received one of one of these mementos. Uh, and what we've done is we've put it into a, a streamed event, um, which, as you say, is on Monday evening at seven o'clock, um, where you'll be able to see those presentations taking place. And fans will also have the opportunity to buy a replica, which is personalised to them or with their favourite player on. Um, and the reaction from the players, I think, has been absolutely tremendous. It's a lovely idea, and I think it's fantastic. And I completely agree with what you're saying, that it should be commemorated and marked. Not that, obviously, Wickham getting into the Championship would ever in any way be forgotten, uh, but the fact, obviously, that the fans weren't able to be there, you could just tell, actually, you know, at at the game against Stoke City, when finally a 1,000 fans were able to be in the ground, when Gareth walked around before the, the game kicked off, uh, and they just, you know, to, to a person, they 
all stood and they all applauded and cheered and you could just tell that actually they, they you know they were thanking him for what happened in the summer so i think it's wonderful that actually the club also is marking it in this way yeah and what we've done is we've put a whole evening around those presentations so there's a lot more as well. So we've shot a video behind the scenes of all the improvements that have taken place at Adams Park over the summer, of which there are an enormous number. People have seen odd pictures of, of what's been done, um, but this is a video which includes drone footage and, uh, and everything else of exactly what's changed. Um, at the end of season dinner, there's normally an award for the volunteer of the year, um, and that didn't happen for, because the event didn't happen. So we've made that presentation. We surprised somebody today with that. And that the reaction from that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, we have a virtual tour of the Rebellion Brewery, one of our partners. And as part of the deal, if people are quick and order their tickets before 5.30 tomorrow, they get the chance to order a discounted case of beer uh, delivered to their door, free of charge. Well, you pay for the beer, the delivery is free of charge. Um, we've got unseen footage of the team in, in action. Um, we have a musical interlude from the gaffer and the cold-blooded hearts. Uh, we have a message from Rob Kuig, and then the second half of the evening is, where I believe, the highlight. For the first time ever, we've managed to get Messrs Turnbull, Ainsworth and O'Neill all talking together, probably at the same time, knowing the three of them. Uh, but Bill Turnbull, Gareth Ainsworth and Martin O'Neill in conversation for, I think, it's about 40 minutes. And I, understand, I haven't seen it all, but I understand it's football gold. Fantastic. And having spoken to Martin O'Neill on this programme uh, a short time ago, I, I'm quite impressed that you managed to squeeze it into 40 minutes uh, because we were so impressed with Martin. We thought we would only have him for about 10 or 15 minutes and he ended up giving us a, a good half an hour plus. Absolutely. And, it, and they are just pure gold. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to attend John Reardon's funeral last week. Uh, John, an absolute icon of the club over, over many decades. Uh, and Martin... Uh, read a, t- a tribute out. He had a thing about an eight-page tribute. And then he remembered stories, and it, it kept sort of, uh, kept sort of, you know, adding and adding and adding. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and, a, and a real send-off to a Wickham icon. Yeah, I mean, that's again, that's lovely to hear and, and just speaks volumes again about Martin O'Neill, the fact that, yes, you know, he, he, he did that and then actually came up with lots of other stories as well. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, as he, 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 would, go on, he would go on forever. Yeah. <laughs> If you uh, and to say perhaps you ought to do perhaps you ought to do a series. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. We, you know, we we'd be quite happy to have him in here doing an audio book or something like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. we'll ju- we'll just leave him going. You know, and, and absolutely. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll have Martin O'Neill FM. You can tune into him uh, as and when you want. Um, and Bill Turnbull, fantastic that that he's taking part as well. Um, and you know, it'd be very interesting to hear. You know, the the two of them with Gareth as well. Uh, d- you know, j- just hearing their comments about uh, the championship and about the the promotion. Yes, I think you know, there's, there's lots of banter, as you would expect. Um, on the Trust website, there is uh, a, a, a sort of a teaser, a snippet of that conversation, uh, and there's laughter all around, and uh, so I, I think it, it, it will be a memorable evening. And this event sounds like a real opportunity for the fans to kind of come together, whereas, you know, up until comparatively recently, they, they couldn't at all at Adams Park, and a great opportunity for them to enjoy, you know, what's been achieved. Absolutely, and, and it's also an opportunity to raise funds for the Trust, um, people probably need to remember that we are still 25% owners of the club. Uh, but over time, there is going to be a need for money to come into the club. And as 25% owners, if we want to keep that 25%, um, we will need to match what goes in from, from Rob. 
So uh, it's important that we raise funds so that as and when that, that happens, and Robert Kuig has made it very clear that he doesn't see that happening soon, and he will give us as much notice as, as he can. So we've been, he's been very supportive in that. But there will come a time when we need the funds. So we've got the Protect the Quarter Fund, and any profits we make from the evening will go into that. Speaking of which, you must be really pleased to see on the, a lot of the media coverage, which the, the, the game where a 1,000 fans were allowed, that a lot of supporters had the, uh, the quartered face coverings as well. Absolutely. And you know, I have to pay tribute to, to everyone who came to the game against Stoke. Um, you know, it was, we, we planned very hard for it, but without the, the, the cooperation and, and, and being respectful from the fans that turned up for other people and their safety, um, it wouldn't have been as, as much of a success as it was. Uh, and obviously we've now got 2,000 fans uh, coming on Saturday, and it's important that people continue to do that, because if we can create a safe environment, um, then you know that 2,000 will continue all the time that we're in Tier 2, um, and should we ever move back into Tier 1, then we can increase the capacity even further. And I suppose it's important, again, to stress to those fans who, who can attend that actually they do need to let the club know whether or not they, they can go uh, and abide by all of those rules as well. Because just as with the, the 1,000 fans uh, against Stoke, you want to be hitting that 2,000 fans uh, in Adams Park uh, supporting us against Coventry. Absolutely. Well, I mean, for the Stoke game, we targeted 1,000. We actually ended up with 960. Um, which is probably as close as you're going to get for people who, who can't turn up for unexpected reasons or, or car breaks down or, or whatever. Um, and yes, we're very keen that if we get through the first tranche uh, and people say no, then we can move further down, down the, the, the season ticket list. Um, and I'm confident that most people who want to attend who are season ticket holders on Saturday will, will actually get to see the game. Yeah, and I was very impressed as well with the the Stoke game, the way that you were doing it, so that actually there were still emails going out at three and four o'clock in the afternoon on the day of the game because you were so committed to getting as many people in as possible. I thought that was marvellous. Yeah, and we would do that again for Coventry. So if people haven't received their email yet about a ticket, keep watching. The other thing is keep looking in your spam box because sometimes with, with emails, uh, they don't go into the right address. They, they disappear into your spam and you say, I haven't received it. So keep checking and we'll try and update uh, via, via the club. Uh, exactly where we are and what we're doing um, and yes let's get let's get 2,000 in supporting us against Coventry It's a real credit isn't it to everyone working behind the scenes as well to be able to, to logistically to get this to, get, to actually happen in the time frame that's, that's been allocated It is and I mean there's an awful lot of hard work by the office staff and, and the, the stadium management team um, but we work very closely with what the safety advisory group which is made up of, of uh, Buckinghamshire County Council uh, representatives police, fire, ambulance uh, also the SGAA, which is the Sports Ground Safety Association, which is the, the government arm. And they have been very supportive. They've been quite firm with us, which is absolutely right. But in the timescale we've had available, they've moved very quickly and actually got us the approval to, to, to move to the 2000. So we appreciate all that support from them as well. With regards then to the event on Monday, what do people have to do uh, to, to be able to, to get the, the stream and also, of course, to get the beer as well? Right, the, uh, the, the details on the, uh, on the Trust website, which is www.wickhamwanderers.trust.com. Um, they can also go onto the Facebook page and the Twitter page of the Trust, and all the details are there. You click on the link and it takes you through to, to, to the event page. There are two choices of ticket. One is just general admission, which is £10.99, and the other one, which might be a bit confusing, says plus beer deal, which is also £10.99. You then get an email back explaining exactly how you place your order with Rebellion Brewery and get your discount and free delivery. 
Fantastic. Uh, you know, what, what could be more? Football and beer. That, that sounds good to me. Um, Trevor, as always, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for speaking to us on the Wick and Wanderer show this evening. Not at all. Great to talk to you. Uh, likewise, Trevor Stroud, uh, Director of the Club and of the uh, Trust, speaking to us here at Wickham Sound. Hope you've enjoyed uh, the programme. It's, it's, it's gone very quick, hasn't it? It has indeed. Uh, we look forward to the game against Coventry. And, you know, very important again, if you have got one of those emails um, and you can't go to the match, uh, then do let the club know because we do want 2,000 fans into Adams Park. Uh, of course, partly because actually we've got a fairly poor record against Coventry. Uh, you know, it will be really, really nice to finally do one over on them. Uh, so let's make sure that Adams Park is rocking with 2,000 people in it on Saturday afternoon. Thank you very much indeed for getting in touch with your first game memories as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, uh, particularly enjoyed all, all of the, the final ones that people have been to. Very impressed with that. Yes, get to a final first. That's, that's our message. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, do check out the podcast. Uh, that'll be available very soon as well. Uh, more Wickham Wanderer show at the same time next week here at Wickham Sound. <laughs>